Welcome to the Doghouse. It's Riverdale Season 4, Episode 5, Chapter 62, Witness for the Prosecution. Veronica digs deep for justice. Betty explores her future and complex past. Stonewall Prep celebrates a literary franchise. And Archie finds himself the unexpected target of the local businesses. <laughs> okay, the second watch of this was better. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, I'm Diana. And I'm David. It plays better. I mean... There's a lot going on and pieces moving. Mm -hmm. At first watch, especially with the Betty stuff, your initial reaction was to roll your eyes and groan. But in fact, it makes a lot of sense. Totally. Like I said from episode one of the season, she's got to deal with this past. She's got to deal with this Black Hood shit. Welcome to Daddy Issues. We're going to talk about daddy issues today on this podcast. Uh, yes, I believe it was last episode or maybe two ago. I said that the new hashtag for the season was hashtag daddy issues because that's what this whole fucking season is about so far. And you are not wrong. Nope. Nope, I'm not. I'm, I'm the TV genius. Thank you. I am. So let's recap that recap. Moose's Jug's roommate, Hermione got arrested, Hiram's making moves, Betty's getting recruited, Charles is listening in, Archie's making a community center, and Vigilante justicing on the side. Ooh. So we start the episode with Jughead doing his narration. Every town gets the hero it deserves. Riverdale's was Archie Andrews. Now, interesting note here. Mm -hmm. He's writing from his room at Stonewall Prep. Mm -hmm. So this is a contemporary moment. Mm, I wouldn't say it's a contemporary moment. Jughead's writing. And that's pretty standard. Yeah. Sometimes we think, oh, he's looking back. But he's in his tie and everything at Stonewall while he's writing. So mm -hmm. who knows? When we get to the very end, I've got a theory about these flash forward. Okay. All right. We see Archie. He's running down Sketch Alley. And there's this girl who's getting mugged. And Archie intervenes. And then, you know, he gives the lady her purse back and she maces him, which was just perfect Archie look. It's so good. I really like that they didn't just make it, I'm a do-gooder and it's great. It's like, no, this blows. <laughs> I just love that she's like, I'm terrified. Mace you in the face too. Well, he is wearing a big black mask and he looks like a criminal. Yeah. So it's not great. Just him washing his eyes out later like, ow, what? We cut on over to Riverdale High and Betty is cozying up to Kev. What are your after school plans? And Kev says, cruising the bathrooms at Sheds and Royal. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. This made me, it wasn't as bad for the rest of the episode like I felt, mm -hmm. but I remember watching this on the first time and I think this was the moment I soured on the episode. I hated that line so much. It's just unnecessary. It would have been funnier if Kevin said, nothing, I'm alone. Like, I just want to call back to I'm alone because that was hilarious and sad at the same time. It's also just so much more true for him. It makes the point without it being gross. That's the problem. Right. They, they always go for the gross. She asks him to join the junior FBI class, to which Kevin's first response is, the one that your hot half-brother is teaching? <laughs> is your brother gay or straight? It's a good question. It's a good question. And Betty says, like, I have no idea, but, but a bunch of seniors from different high schools have signed up. Who knows? Maybe you'll meet a cute gay FBI agent in training. And Kevin just says, I'm in. When and where? <laughs> oh, oh, Kevin. We head on over to the jail, because that's just what we do in Riverdale. And Mary is now the one lawyer in town, and she is the lawyer for Hermione. And Veronica's <laughs> there. Ugh. And they're talking about a monogram Tucci bag. Tucci, which is a stand-in for Gucci. But why that specifically? Like, did Stanley Tucci start a line of handbags? I'm just thinking, why didn't you use any other consonant? Because Tucci sounds better. Like, what is it going to be, Lucci? Like, it's just weird. I don't know. Then it's Susan Lucci. It's don't get me wrong. The idea of Stanley Tucci having a line of handbags sounds amazing. I mean, Stanley Tucci, everything he does is amazing. But you're so dumb. Also, get Stanley Tucci on Riverdale. No. <laughs> Guest appearance. One no. Episode. One episode. No. He's too good for that. No. <laughs> no. You stay away, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <sighs> so it's all framed. They're talking about this bag full of money at Tallboy's apartment. 
Mary assures them that, you know, FP's going to testify that when he searched Tallboy's apartment after he died, that there was no money there. And Veronica's like, this week is insane. I've got two papers due. Your trial's starting. Daddy's trial's around the corner. School first. Okay. Like, she goes to school? I guess. Uh, and then she's just like, okay, the goal is for the week. Get mom out of jail and make sure daddy stays rotting in his. Like, interesting to-do list there. Also, early on, didn't she say she's not siding with anyone? Yeah. But you know what? Then her father did break into their apartment. So like... Pendulum swung to Hermione's side right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not going to last very long. Uh, yeah. We go over to Stonewall and Jughead's like doing his thing. And Donna shows up and is just like, what are you working on? The same thing as when you drugged me. <laughs> it's like, But he has actually found something. The Stonewall Four were supposed to be a legend, but when he checks the town paper, four people actually had gone missing over the last 30 years. Donna looks worried. I don't think it's worried. I think it's more of, huh, because Jughead looked outside of the walls of Stonewall Prep. He looked at the town paper. And the thing is, Jughead is just more experienced in all this shit. And those kids only live within those walls. I think you could go either way. You could set it up as these kids are in on the major giant plot to kidnap people. Well, they can. And so that, I mean, it could go either way. Either Donna's concerned because Jughead knows something she doesn't. Possible. Or she's concerned that Jughead found out something that they all thought had been officially buried that nobody could find out. Ooh. It's one of those things. Yeah, I know. So there we go. I'm cool with that. Nice ambiguity. And that's something I think throughout this episode seeing it a second time, I was like, give y'all some credit. You played things a little closer to the vest for this episode mm-hmm. in just the right ways. Jughead's concerned that's exactly what happened to Moose. Donna says, Marmaduke is fine. He's just busy in basic training. Look, we've been texting and she shows him her phone. Hey, at least Moose is okay. True. Also, that could be fake. We don't know. Well, uh, I had to ruin it, didn't I? We go to class at Stonewall and Mr. Chipping's there handing out advanced copies of his latest novel. And it is a copy of a Baxter's Brothers mystery, which is, of course, their play on the Hardy Boys. (laughs) Hey, at least they went something completely different and didn't do like Cardi Boys and like they all wear cardigans. I don't know. Like, (laughs) which have also been great in my brain. But okay, they just did something completely different. The Baxter Brothers. The Cardi teens. Uh, It turns out that Mr. Chipping, that's his gnome de plume, is Franklin P. Paxton. And Jack is like, well, wait, the secret of the old windmill, the first one, came out decades ago. How is that possible? And Chipping is just the latest in a long line of ghostwriters over the last decade. And Jughead gets really adorable and precious. And I swear I can see that little boy from Big Daddy in this in the space he makes. My mind is blown, Mr. Chipping. I used to love these books when I was a kid. They were my gateway drug into serious crime fiction. <laughs> it's very cute. Like Cole Sprouse is able to do that and the hat really helps. It really sells it. Yep. Brett, of course, you know, scoffs at all of this. He just thinks this is annoying. And Mr. Chipping says, to celebrate the publication of the 10 Little Boy Scouts. Gross. Stonewall Prep is throwing a little wine and cheese to which you are all invited, as are the previous ghostwriters. Quick note, Mm -hmm. 10 Little Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that remind us of something? Black Hood stuff? Scouts in the Woods? Training? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. The the (laughs) Lord of the Flies Scouts? Oh, boy. Yeah. You know what? Hmm. It might be worth doing a quick screen cap of those different book titles Mm -hmm. and being like is this related to some other mystery that's going on in riverdale Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to to wait till my my theory Uh oh we cut on over to pops pop tate is looking sad and sullen and veronica shows up it's like what's wrong it's a subpoena from your father's defense team and basically we find out that pop tate is the one who cooked the books for veronica we knew that she had cooked them to make it look like they weren't making any money to hire them. We didn't know that Pop was the one who actually is the one who did it. So that's new information. But Pops is like, I don't regret doing it, but I cannot put my hand on a Bible and lie. Like, I'm not going to do that. Good man, Pop Good. Tate. Cool, cool. Veronica's like, don't worry. I'll get you out of this. Instant cut to prison. She's yelling at daddy. Daddy, Pop Tate is a good man. There's no need to drag him into this mess. Hire him. Um, I'm fighting for my freedom. And to be clear, I didn't drag Pop into this. You did. Because you were extorting me, Daddy. Bear Pop and end it right now. And Veronica's like, hard pass, Daddy. 
And, and, and Hiram's just like, fuck off, I'll see you in court. Tell your mom good luck. I'm rooting for her to die. And he leaves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Daddy! Daddy! <laughs> I just, the scene would play so well if she wouldn't use that fucking word for him. If she really wants to exert her independence, which I also want to make a point here, because it'll come up later. No pearls. There have been no pearls this season. Yeah. She has to stop calling him daddy. She needs to be calling him Hiram. And if she really wanted to be a bitch to him, she could call him Jaime. That would be really low. They're missing such an opportunity. This is where you know, we, we complain about like their ideas are good, but their execution is bad. And a lot of it comes down to the language that they use. And this is a place where... You could be using language that gets across the same thing, but is more impactful and and shows a building of resistance to this Hiram crap. We cut to Veronica at the speakeasy and she's talking to the Fed. She's just saying, like, can't can't let Pop do it. Get on the stand. He won't lie. FBI agent is basically like, but those books were a big deal. And Veronica says, call me as a witness. I'll testify that I was the one who asked Pop to doctor the books. Because my father was extorting me, which is the truth. And once I do that, I doubt they'll spend much time talking about any books. And the prosecutor's like, okay, good luck with your mom's case. Like, just that's it. That's the end of that. Oh, my God. This is so bad for like 8 billion reasons. (sighs) There is no reason for this plot device to exist Mm -hmm. other than it to come back to bite Veronica. Yeah, which I hate. Like, it's not needed. Because Veronica's not that dumb. Um, I know she's a teenager. She's no, big- she she is that dumb. She always thinks she's getting the best of her father. She always does. But she's also 16 and full of pride. And, you know, she's she really is not always that smart. Hiram keeps getting the best of her. And one of the reasons he does is because she's full of herself. Yeah, I guess this would make a whole bunch more sense. And we'll get to it when we get later on. But if it was the conversation between her and Pops that became the subject of the controversy, that would be the easiest explanation. Well, yeah, a recording of her having that conversation with Pop explains everything. There's no reason for this to happen. And this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cut on over to the FBI office the basement of the ba- i don't know where we are yeah it's i i call it fbi den last couple episodes so i guess that still works we got a room full of fbi and trainers charles is giving a presentation they're gonna start off with serial killers called that shit kevin keeps going your half brother is so hot <laughs> it's true he's not an unattractive man but he's not hot case of cats hotter And so he's got this slides up and he's talking about a crime and he's like, okay, here's all the suspects. Which one of these is the murderer? And Betty's like, it's the third man. How'd you know that? Intuition. All right, just try another one. Which one's the killer? And they're looking at it. He keeps talking. She goes, it's the one in the middle. Charles is like, correct. Your intuition is like a sixth sense. So let's go again. So they change the picture. Charles keeps talking and she's like, none of them. And Charles is like, ooh, excellent. Not many people have that kind of raw instinct. And Kevin goes, you're like beautiful mind, but for serial killers. <laughs> great. Great. Love it, Kevin. I love it when Kevin's like that. It's great. I miss Ginger Bull by the horns, Kevin. <laughs> like, I need more of that. Yeah, I just, it would have been nice if they would have made that transition a little smoother. Yeah, Because, you know, he just sort of makes a right turn all of a sudden, and I'm still suspicious that he's still going to dive back in with farmies but you know well he instantly joined another group where they're all wearing the same clothing so there's that yeah i love that visual charles goes on to say like can you tell me what these have in common and but he's like nothing isn't that kind of the point and then charles lets it go he's like actually they have one thing in common a specific set of genes and then we get the flashback to alice telling betty that she is the maoa CDH13 genes, also known as the serial killer genes. Riverdale. Next week, here's a promise I'm making. I'm going to go investigate the actual science behind this. Okay. Because I'm very curious as to whether this is true or this is kind of a gross thing to be putting in this show. Okay. 
I'm a little curious and, and suspicious. I feel like there is something that has been like, you could call this, I feel like this isn't just like 100% out of nowhere. It's probably been manipulated for the show, which is fine. Like, I don't care about that. But I would be curious because I do like the shows of like Mindhunter and that crap, like the profiling of the serial killer stuff. I am. I'm just also always super wary when we start trying to claim that genetics causes issues like this. Well, yeah, we don't want to get into all that crap, but it's one of those things that is interesting scientifically. Like, is this something that we see it show up? It's just, it's just interesting. I'm going to dig in and do a little book report on our next episode. Cool. All right. Okay. Overachiever David. <laughs> we go to the not cooper house and jughead searching he's like hey dad have you seen my baxter brothers books and fp is not interested in this conversation he's like i don't know i threw them away and he's like, you threw away my books calm down boy <laughs> before you accuse me of book burning why don't you check the storage room in the basement <sighs> so then we instantly cut to a box of these baxter brothers books being laid out and jughead's getting all excited talking to betty about him like Ah, oh, I worship these guys. When all the kids wanted to be superheroes, I wanted to be a Baxter brother. And Betty's like, yeah, they used to do crossovers with Tracy True. Those were my favorite, remember? Hold up. Yep. Nancy Drew actually does exist in this world. Yeah. Like, officially. But if you did Nancy Drew there, you have to do Hardy Boys. So I understand that they kind of have to separate it here. Because I guarantee you when they did the... Nancy Drew co- decoder book. They didn't know that a Nancy Drew television series was in the works on on the CW. It's just this is one of those prime examples mm-hmm. of the inconsistency. And for me, having the inconsistency is one thing. Mm-hmm. Like it just happens, but also address it. Like make it a joke. What about that other decoder ring book? Oh, that was Tracy True too. That's not what I remember. No, just something. No, because I think, honestly, if you draw more attention to it, it makes it worse. Yeah, maybe. Like, it would have been bad if they had done, like, the Cardi Boys and then done Tracy True. Like, then you'd have to do and Betty Drew, which I love that I called her Betty Drew before they ever dropped anything about Nancy Drew in the series. Oh, yeah. I'm a TV genius. I also predicted Dark Betty before Dark Betty showed up in the show, too. You predicted so many things. I'm so smart. I'm so <laughs> proud of me. Like, when I do watch this show and something pops, I was just like, that's right. There I am. That's my talent. This is what I'm good at. This is, this is amazing. So they're, like, getting all excited. And Jughead's like, yeah, my dad used to get me one of these each year for my birthday. Hey, dad, why'd you stop? FP's, like, getting ready to leave. And he's just like, you outgrew him, boy. I gotta run. And, like, he's really looking at this very, like, suspiciously. And we hear Jughead say, I'm never going to outgrow these books. This one was my favorite. Like, it's really, he's having this really adorable, nostalgic moment with these books. And we've we've all had that when we find, like, a toy that was really cool when we were a kid. Or that movie that comes on that you're just like, oh, I love this when I was five. He's being such a little dork. It's It's, so much fun. It's precious. But his dad is having some feelings. His dad having some daddy issues. <laughs> We're not aware of yet, but they're there. Daddy, daddy issues. Yep. Daddy, daddy issues. Oh. Granddaddy issues. <laughs> I can't help myself. It was there. And we cut over to Jughead is reading the books in his bed at Stonewall Prep. Brett's annoyed, lights out Jones. And so Jughead like turns out the light and he's got his flashlight under other the coverage, which again, I think is a super cute call to like, this is what Jughead was doing when he was a kid. Also, that's the one time Brett's not a total dick. He's just like, just turn the fuck off. Come on, man. Fuck off. <laughs> Dang, like, I was like, eh, I, I'm okay with that one. He's Brett. being a dick for like a reasonable reason. <laughs> and as Jughead's opening the book, he realizes that he sees that a page has been ripped out. Like one of the first pages has been ripped out of this book. I never noticed that before. Weird. Cut on over to like, it feels like it's early morning and we're at the El Royale gym and Archie and Monroe are painting over some graffiti. Archie's yawning and Monroe's like late night red and Archie's like, Algebra 3 is kicking my ass this year. Good lie. I love it. Great. (laughs) Also like, is there an Algebra 3? Do we just call that calculus? 
No, there's no Algebra 3 in most things, which makes the joke even funnier now. Like, I never even took Algebra 2, so I wouldn't know. Man, they're doing such good dumb jokes with him this season. They're doing pretty good. Where's Uh, Harvard? Where's Harvard again? (laughs) They're so pretty. It's a good thing you're pretty. I know. Speaking of pretty, we have to talk about Archie's hair. Oh, man. This episode is so fucking bad. You can see the demarcation line in his hair, and it's fucking pissing me off. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me explain to you some hair shit. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's so bad. I have previously commented that I think that they've let some, when they really want to make him look disheveled and dirty, they let part of his natural roots grow in, which is dark, dark brown. It's almost black compared to the red. So when they dye his hair red, they have to bleach it. So they bleach your roots. So whatever regrowth comes in, they bleach it super bright so that they can put the red on it. Sometimes if you don't blend it well, there's a line, a very distinct line between the new growth and your other previously dyed hair. That's called demarcation line. So they clearly bleached his hair and did not properly process it or blend it with the new red color over it because you can fucking see an inch worth of regrowth in there and it's horrible and I'm mad. Thank you. This has been Hair Talk with Diana. You gonna be all right there? Okay. Your whole fucking show is about an iconic redhead. (laughs) His hair better be fucking red and on point. For as dumb as this boy is, he better be fucking hot all the live long day. That includes his hair being on point. (laughs) Do you think they'd do that shit with Cheryl? Do you think that would last a minute? I know her hair is naturally red, but it's definitely color enhanced. They wouldn't, that would not fly for a fucking second with her. Well, and in like season one and two, it is on point. There are moments where you're like, oh, that's fresh. That's fresh colored. We, we've, I've seen yeah. it with Jughead. Ooh, that's fresh today. That yeah. You just got your hair dyed. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. I comment on it just because it's like, oh, I can, I can see it. This is distractingly bad in part because of when they have him in the light, it is so reflective and bright and it is obviously a completely different color than the rest of his hair it's so bad it makes me so mad maybe just don't do close-ups on archie if his full face is showing i'm mad i'm mad so anyways back to the scene that's not about archie's hair or his abs because he's wearing a shirt for once actually there's no beefcake archie this time unacceptable rude So this dude comes and brings up this kid and he's like, are you named Archie? Yeah, that's me. This kid says you vouch for him. Yeah, that's Toby. He hangs out here. Is there a problem? And he was shoplifting. So Archie's like, here, I'll pay for it. Yay, white savior boy. And the shop owner is just like, I don't want any of you delinquent stepping foot in my shop. It's bad enough. We have to walk by this halfway house. And he really makes this pointed look at Monroe when he says that, which is fucking awful. And Monroe just kind of yells at him, keep the change, because clearly Archie gave him more than what the comic book costs. And Archie just looks at the kid, Toby, and he's like, grab a brush. You're going to clean. Damn it. So, yeah. Great. We come on over to Stonewall Prep, and it is time to meet Francis J. DuPont, the originator of the Baxter Brothers franchise, and the very first Franklin P. Paxton. Mr. Chipping is introducing him to everyone, and Mr. DuPont's kind of like, Jughead, is that a nickname? Yeah, and then Joker's like, it's an honor to meet you, and your books really helped me through all of it. And then Mr. Chipping is like, you know, Jughead's our newest addition, and he's part of the most promising group of students I've ever taught. We kind of find out that the last four ghostwriters have all come from Stonewall, and now they they want to have a new ghostwriter continue the franchise, and Jughead's like, oh, you're going to pick one of us? Brad is like, keep it in your pants, Jones. Ugh. And yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have a contest and Brett's like, oh, well, I'm obviously winning this. Is there a particular style or subject? And DuPont says, well, we haven't decided on theme yet, but I'll let you know. <laughs> Cut to Betty in a doctor's office and uh, I was hoping for a second that this was the pregnancy scare. <laughs> I was hoping for it. It's coming, everybody. It's of, gotta happen. Of course it wasn't. She had to go get tested for the serial killer gene. She went to go talk to Dr. Patel. He comes in and is like, hey, I pulled your files and I can confirm that you do have the genes. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so it wasn't just some lie her mom told her, which is totally fair for her to double check. She goes in the hallway and Kevin was waiting for her and she's like, all good, nothing to worry about it. I don't have the genes. Kevin's like, it's a relief, I told you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're good like job, totally yelling. 
Yeah, it's great. We see Archie's coming out of the gym at night and he sees some kids stealing hubcaps. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. He goes after the kids, shoes them away. And then he bends down to start putting the hubcaps back on the car. And the kid Toby pulls a gun on him. We hear the gun cock and Archie never turns around. He says, who are you? You run with Dodger. Toby says, get the hell out of here. And Archie basically gets the gun away from him and tells him, tell him it's over. Tell him he's done for. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. That's got to be fun. I hate this. This is so dumb. This has gone on too long and it's just stupid. Cut back to El Royal Gym is the next day and Archie's just like, all right, listen up. And apparently they've gotten a phone call from Sheriff Jones. Liar. About the ceiling hubcaps. And he suspects it's somebody from the center. No. But Archie vouched for them. So now they're going to have some new rules. <laughs> because if anyone gets arrested, they're going to shut the whole place down. So if you run with Dodger's crew, you're not welcome here. No exceptions. Any questions? Toby and another boy are like, yeah, I got a question. Aren't you guys seniors? What happens when you graduate and go to college? And Archie's like, that's months away, Toby. Months. Only months. months. Only months. Yeah, but what happens? You said it yourself. They're trying to shut you down. Why? Because of us. Because nobody wants us. At least Dodger cares. And Monroe says, well, Dodger only cares about the money you can bring in. And Archie just says, we want you here, but you can't have it both ways. You have to choose. And this is, again, doubling down on the fact that you are not treating the systemic issues because these kids, like Eddie told you, like, I have to choose because I still have to live in this world when I leave your gym. Like, so I hate this bullshit. It's garbage. You know what? Just shoot Archie. Not kill him. Just like in the leg. He goes out doing vigilante. He's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I mean, he's already been attacked by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> you can't shoot him. <laughs> well, you can. It's just not going to do anything. No. We go back to FBI training and we're talking about animal cruelty. blah 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 Betty has a flashback to talking to herself at the farm, which is cool, is cool use of that scene again when we heard Betty tell herself, even though we knew it was really Polly pretending to be a Betty. Remember what happened to Caramel? You drowned Caramel. Yeah. And she's getting really like upset. She's gasping for air and she runs out of FBI training. We go to court and FP is testifying for Hermione. He says, you know, that bag of Tucci cash wasn't there and blah, blah, blah. He says it was planted later. Then the prosecutor comes over. is like, hey, who owns that cabin? And FP's like, well, I figured it was Hiram. He's like, okay, here's the lease. What does it say? Hermione Lodge. <gasps> oh, my God. FP, not a good sheriff. Doing some real sloppy work there. I mean, he has no background for it. I mean, it doesn't, at the time, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I just didn't. Dude, do the, do the legwork. Get all the details, bud. That's an important part of your he's, job. No, he's a witness, though. Yeah, I know. It just like whether or not he knew it was Hermione, it was in Hermione's name. He assumed it was Hiram's cabin. That's fine. Eh. Like that's that has nothing to do with him being a sheriff. He's a shitty sheriff, regardless. <laughs> He's also the only cop in town, apparently. Like just like Mary's the only lawyer in town. It's just the way it is. That's just Riverdale. Mm-hmm, that's Riverdale for you. We go over to Stonewall, and Jughead finds Mister Dupont reading a book. And he's like, hey, did you know my grandfather, Forsyth Jones I? And DuPont's like, that's why you look so familiar. Your grandfather was an excellent writer. How is he doing? Does he still write? And Jack is like, I, I never met him. And up until this exact moment, I didn't even know he was a writer. <laughs> and we find out that Forsyth was a little bit of a brawler and got into a little bit of trouble. And Jughead asks him, you know, was he kicked out for fighting? And DuPont just goes, it was a long time ago. I don't remember the exact circumstances, you lying piece of shit. Liar! So many lies! So many adult liars. Gah. But he says, I'll never forget his talent. I would read his works in class, and I couldn't believe that a teenager wrote them. Holy shit, he totally stole it. He totally stole Forsyth's stuff. Correct. <laughs> uh, I I confirm your theory because I agree. I'm putting some pieces together here I, that I know we're building to something. Okay. He asks, does your father write? No, he's a sheriff. Oh, would you invite him to the reception? I would love to meet Forsyth's son. 
And Jughead's like, actually kind of like, yeah, I'll see if he can come. So all the way through this, because I didn't know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, this guy's totally Forsyth. Like he's just yeah. playing him. That's been confirmed by us to not be true because this actor is not the it's, same actor. It's not the actor that's been reported to be cast as Forsyth the first. Which means there's something murkier. So, hey. Yeah, I totally, he definitely knows why Forsyth is gone or at least why he left Stonewall. And I would not be surprised if he stole the whole concept for the Baxter brothers from Forsyth. Mm hmm. That was part of the reason for some of the disappearing starting to happen. Hmm. Mm. We cut back to, I guess, the courthouse where we're in like the jail or whatever. So it's Hermione and Veronica. And Veronica's like, why didn't you tell us the cabin was in your name? And Hermione's like, it wasn't. Your father must have forged the lease or contract or something. And then Veronica's like, okay, so why didn't you just say you've never been to this cabin? And then we see a flashback of that's where Hermione killed Sheriff Minetta because we know that she's the one who killed Minetta, not Tallboy. Because I have been there. That's just like, I have been there. That's where she was having an affair. Blah, 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 blah. This isn't good. We have no moves left. If the prosecutor digs, you're going to be more guilty. Blah, 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 blah. There's no magic wand. Veronica's like, what if there was a magic wand? <laughs> And my mother changed her plea. Basically, Veronica's whole thing is, mom, plead guilty, and then you just need to be pardoned by Governor Dooley, and I can blackmail him. Great. Bye. Okay. Here's the thing. I actually am fine with this, because this is very Veronica Lodge. Yeah. No, this is Veronica Lodge. Like, this is super in character for her, so I'm totally fine with it. Like, this is just what she does. She plays shady, but she usually does it to try to do something good. Yeah. That's Veronica. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate this the second time I saw it. Like, the first time, I'm like, oh, my God. And then I saw it again. I was like, actually, this makes sense. Like, this makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. We go back to Betty's memory of the cat, and we see Betty herself walk up to younger Betty with the cat, and then we see younger Betty take a rock and smash it on the cat. And Betty wakes up and from a dream, she goes, caramel. (laughs) Which I'm like, yeah, caramel sounds yummy right now. Uh, No, that's so bad. I know. You just, no. Candy, not cat. (laughs) I will say this scene is totally filmed, super creepy, out of focus, into, into Betty's face. And then just seeing her little girl self with a dying cat Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god this is awesome (laughs) but it's really effective like i I give them credit that was very well done Mm -hmm. well and it pays off again later yes yes Um, it does we we go on over to sheriff's office and jughead has shown up to see fp to ask him if he wants to go get a burger and fp's like no i got a lot on my mind what's up i wanted to ask you about grandpa did you know he was a writer and fp is like yeah where'd you hear that oh, one of his old classmates is visiting and there's a reception later if you want to come hang out. And FP is just like, you want me to waste a day with a bunch of blue bloods who think they're better than me? No. And Jughead's like, really like, you pushed me to go there. You'd probably make me put on a tie and a blazer. And just, you know, my old man wasn't a writer. He was a dropout. He couldn't hold down a job. He was a mean, mean drunk who took out all his anger on me and your grandma. It was the best day of my life when he skipped out on us. So do I want to hear about what a great writer he was back in high school? No, I'm good with my memories, but you have fun. Hashtag daddy issues. Holy shit. Okay, so that's just a whole lot of information. Now, we do know from this show that the story that FP has given about his father has been very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's because these writers suck. There's, <laughs> there's no show Bible, clearly. But it's also FP... Just coming up with shit, just lying. Because he's clearly lying about some shit about his dad. We know that. There's at least one big reveal that we don't have here. And like we said, there's several possibilities of either it's exactly how FP describes it, or he's covering up for him Mm -hmm. to try to protect everybody, or both. Could be both. I suspect that... For FP, I mean, like, we know his dad was a mean drunk. And so FP probably knows a little bit more about why his dad was a drunk. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that at the end of the day, for FP, my dad left. 
dad left and he was an asshole and he beat me and my mom. Like yeah. that's that at the end of the day is unforgivable for him. So it doesn't matter what his reasons were or where he went off to. That's what it was. So I think for FP, like his lying is mostly just like, I don't want to talk about this. So I'm just going to say something to make it go. We cut on over to the speakeasy and Veronica blackmails Governor Dooley. The end. <laughs> okay. The opening part of that. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Not again. Oh, yes. Now, here's the thing. I also love how Camilla plays that scene. Yes. Because she is just smarmy, smiling she's, her way through the whole smarmy thing. She's smarmy as shit. And, and it, it works. so good. It works. We cut over to Stonewall Prep, and it's time to have this little reception. We're going to play a game of murder. Of course we are. Everyone draws a card. Whoever gets the card that says murder on it, they will wink at their prey. And if you're winked at, you die five seconds later. And the object of the game is to identify the murder before you're killed. And so, of course, Jughead is the murderer. So he kills Donna first, and she dies this hilar- is- very hilariously. He is giving me such... Early 80s Tom Cruise he's, vibes. He's very like, I'm hot shit. <laughs> and it's it's very cute. And Cole Sprouse does a very good job with it. He puts his hand on her shoulder and just like, by the way, wink. And But he makes a really big show out of his wink. It's, it's adorable. <laughs> we cut directly to, it's clearly the end of the game. There's only three left. It's Jonathan, Brett, and Jughead. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan starts to die. And Brett looks kind of confused. And then Jughead instantly winks at Brett. And Brett goes, oh, it's Jughead. He's the murderer. And Jughead's like, yeah, because I killed you. (laughs) No, I knew beforehand I win. I'm sorry, Brett. I can't hear you because you're dead. He's so smarmy. They're both so pathetic about this. Like, it's just, they're little boys about this. And it's hilarious. Mr. DuPont is all like, okay, but like, let's be men about this. It's clear Jughead won the game fair and square. And, like, everyone's just like, yay, and Brett's pissed. Mr. DuPont says, you know, I hope you'll enter the contest. I mean, the grandson of Forsyth Jones would be a worthy inheritor of the mantle. Uh-huh. Gross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back to murder team. Yeah, we go back to murder time. And Charles is talking about serial killers being compulsive and trophies and clues and journals and Betty instantly starts thinking about all the diaries she's got so we cut over to home while Charles is still talking and you know she's going through her her journals and Charles says by studying childhood diaries of serial killers we can gain valuable insights into how their minds work hey mm-hmm. Betty realizes maybe I wrote something about this a long time ago yep we go to court Hermione pleads guilty Everyone's crazy. A really pretty girl dressed like Veronica leaves the courtroom. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. We cut over to Pops and Betty tells Kevin that she lied to him and that she does have those genes. But there's more. She tells him the scene we saw, but she gives us a little bit more. I heard my cat crying and I knew it was dying. And so I went to get my dad for help. And so we see this scene of young Betty going and getting her dad. And it is Lachlan Monroe. He's talking. Yeah. Uh, We don't ever see his face, but I'm like 90% sure it's him. And Betty tells us that he took her back outside. And Hal says, Caramel's your cat, Betty. You need to take care of this. And he handed me a rock. And he made me. And I killed Caramel. And we hear Hal saying, good girl, Betty. Very good girl. And like. Betty is devastated by this. And Kevin says, that wasn't you. That was your deeply screwed up dad. Yeah. And Betty's like, I'm repressing memories of killing animals, Kevin. And Kevin, very smartly, very wisely says, I think this FBI training thing might be getting a little too intense right now. And I think we should maybe consider withdrawing. So this is an interesting thing. I remember there's, I don't remember the episode it was, but there's an episode of the show Criminal. Mm Mm-hmm. And in it, this daughter talks about her mom who, unbeknownst to them, like perfectly nice mom, had a fine childhood, and then come to find out 40 years later, her entire credit was ruined because her mother had basically scammed her entire family out of everything. Mm -hmm. And in that process, learned that she was a sociopath. So Mm -hmm. she goes through the process of investigating and worrying that she has those issues, and she figures out. I could never be that. If anything, I have anxiety about this constantly and like over empathy for things. Mm-hmm. And that's Betty. Yeah. Betty may have these genes. Betty may have some of these tendencies. But time and again, we see 
Betty is super emotional about all of these things. It's kind of like whatever your parents super fucked up that you like fully know and are aware of that they were absolutely horrible about, you have crippling anxiety about not being that thing. Yeah. Like that, it's that same thing. Like Betty is now going to have crippling anxiety about not becoming a serial killer. But in having that, we see her have tons of emotions. Yeah. So it's very obvious that she is not a serial killer Mm -hmm. and not a sociopath in any way. So then it becomes a thing of, okay, what does that what does that mean though? Like what do I need to dig into now to uncover? Well, yeah, it's like what else have you repressed? And also, really interesting way to bring Hal back in. I like it. I love Lachlan Monroe. And I think if you if you have him be a past figure and go ahead and say he's dead. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'd also be fine with he with him like her having like conversations with him, knowing full well that he's not alive. Yeah. But like she's channeling him, so she's having conversations with him and she's imagining like what he would say to her because she's trying to process through things. Oh, cool. It's gonna be Dexter. I'm okay with that. That'd be cool. We go over to El Royale Gym and Archie's coaching some of the kids and FP has shown up. And apparently some of the local businesses have lodged complaints against the center, littering, vandalism, public urination. And Archie's like, that's BS. The kids aren't doing any of this. And FP offers some of his serpent advice. He just says, we dealt with the same crap. Wherever we set up, complaints followed. No one wants a gang around. Archie says, it's not the kids. It's the thugs who show up after we lock up. And like, this place is supposed to make the neighborhood better. And FP says, show them that. Do what the ser- serpents used to do. Invite them over. Just get to know you clam bake. People are less likely to call the cops if they've had a conversation with you, all right? And this is actually really good advice. It's fair advice. Like, it's like, get to know these people. Partner with them. They're more likely to call you instead of call the cops when they know there's a problem. It's the same thing with, like, your neighbors. If you know your neighbor's name and there's a problem, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, there's an issue. Your dog keeps getting out of your yard or your kids keep leaving their toys on my porch or whatever crap that is. It's a lot easier to deal with it that way. And you're going to be less mad because you know who you can talk to about the problem. It's almost like people thrive when they're in community with each other. You know, it's true. I mean, there's always one bad apple. But you can all come together to be like, bad apple, move out of my neighborhood, please, because you're horrible. We're at Stonewall Prep. It's like the next day. It's class time. And Brett's getting real snotty. You think you really pulled something off at the reception, don't you? Jug is like, are you still mad? All right. If it means that much to you, poof. Consider yourself raised from the dead, preppy. (laughs) I really like the hand gesture he makes on the poof. And I like the use of the term preppy. I like how he, for half a second, you think he's going to be sincere, but then you realize there's nothing to be sincere about. This is fucking dumb. And then Brett has to go full on ass hat about it and tells Jughead that he's just a charity case. The admissions people don't even know who he is because Jughead's trying to be like, well, I got here because of my writing. They have never read anything. Like, there's always one of you every year. You're a statistic. And you won't amount to anything just like your grandfather who couldn't even make it a semester. That's your past, present, and future. And with this, I predicted this was happening. Jughead slams Brett down against the desk, grabs a stapler and has it raised above his head like he's about to slam down on this guy and says, shut your mouth. Brett looks at him like a smug asshole and says, Looks like you've inherited his temper too, hun. And they all know I'm right. Deep down, you know it too. And Jughead calms himself because he realizes like, this is not cool. And he takes his shit and he leaves. He knows he's going to get kicked the fuck out if he gives in to Brett. Oh, yeah. Woo. Brett will take the punch if it means Jughead leaves. Oh, that is some hardcore nastiness there. Welfare freeloader. Yep. Good God. Dirt poor scholarship kid. How white can you be? Pretty fucking white. I mean, he's as white as they come. He's such a fucking wasp. We got back to the El Royale gym where Archie is having a press conference. This might be the most hostile get to know you press conference I've ever seen. (laughs) Just so stupid. So 
he basically just invited all the business people over and the newspaper to be like, I run this place. We've been getting some complaints that are stupid and our hours are going to be extended to 11 p.m. And we're going to be open on Sundays. So how about instead of working against us, you come help out, sponsor a baseball team, donate your time. We're starting the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program, which the Riverdale High Bulldogs and Vixens have already volunteered. So why don't you? Which is like, okay, those aren't horrible suggestions. Those aren't stupid ideas, but he could be a little more... He could be less smug teenager about it because then he doubles down on the smug. If you want to shut us down, go ahead and try. My mom's a very good lawyer. (laughs) Okay, preppy white boy. The difference between you and Brett is that you are a privileged smug asshole. At least your privileged smug asshole stuff is supposed to be good for the community. That's the only leg up you have against a Brett. And then Archie says, or you can try the cops and I'll call my best friend's dad the sheriff of Riverdale. Otherwise, my friendly advice to you is to get out of my way. What a dick. Ah, he's so horrible. And this is where his hair looks exceptionally bad. You are 17. Uh You want to get in the good graces of business people? Maybe don't talk down to them, you little shit. No, you need them. There are more of them than you. You're stupid. So we cut to Archie's in his office and a gentleman comes in. He's like, can I help you? Look, I own the hardware store. And I like what you're trying to do. And I'm not the only one. Okay, cool. Like, nice person. And Archie's like, why didn't you say that? Hardware dude is like, we're getting pressure to speak out against you by Dodger. We've been paying him a protection fee because Riverdale is firmly in the mafia now. Uh, Well, it was in the mafia with Hiram. Now it's it's in the hands of street gangs. Street gangs. Cool. Cool. Great. Lately, he's added a request, protest the center or risk losing his protection. And then maybe our stores get robbed or burned to the ground. And Archie's just like, okay, so Dodger's the one who wants us out of here. And hardware dude is like, every kid who sets foot in your place is one less running scams on the streets for him. So you just took a really interesting opportunity to corner him and having to deal with his privilege. Mm -hmm. And then just kneecap it away because it's all fucking Dodger. (sighs) Well, they're doubling down on a reason for Archie to be the superhero. Because it's the CW and that's all we do. And Arrow's coming to an end. So that's a whole other thing. It's just stupid. We cut on over to the Not Cooper house. Jughead is chowing down on food, reading his Baxter Brothers book on the couch. And FP's home. And he's like, well, look what the cat dragged in. Jughead's like, I'm done with Stonewall Prep. The place is toxic. I'm going back to Riverdale High to be with my friends. I don't blame him at this point. No, I, I would totally be trying to quit too. Like... That's fair. I'm like, fuck this noise. I'm just going to be happy. This is stupid. I want to go be with my stupid friends. Yeah. <laughs> we are stupid. <laughs> like, that's, that's Jughead at this point. <laughs> don't, we don't go to school anyway. Pretty much. I have to solve crime. Effie's like, no, no, you're not throwing away this opportunity. Give me whiplash, dad. What opportunity? So I can be buried alive in a coffin or be told that I'm only here because I grew up in a trailer park. To which Effie's like, someone said that to you? Yeah, Brett. <laughs> this, is, this is like so adorable. But I love that he's like, yeah, dad. Yeah. You, you don't believe me? And and then FP, he's got like serious class problems here. He's like, who cares how you got in? You're in. And those silver spoons, they feel threatened. This Brett kid, he knows you're better than him. You're going to leave him in the dust. And you'll do it with or without the privilege or the fancy name. But if you drop out, you're no better than my old man. If you hated him so much, then why did you name me after him? <laughs> fair point. Totally fair point. Turnaround's fair play, though. Yep. And I like I do like the FP says, hey, it's my name too. Don't forget. <laughs> I do like that because we don't call Jughead Forsyth. We don't call FP Forsyth. So like we have Forsyth, FP, and Jughead, but they're all Forsyth Pendleton Jones. Which is cool. I like it. It's great. And yeah, I hate him, but he's still my old man. So it's got to count for something, huh? And so like, then he sits down. And he's like, also, those books weren't from me. <laughs> Your granddad sent them from wherever the hell he was. I didn't tell you because I'm still angry at how he treated us. He was a hard man and there was no love lost between us. But I got to give the devil his due. Those books you love were from him. Aww. Which is really sweet. And, like, you can tell that it's hard for FP to, to, like, give his son this. Like, I hate him so much. I don't want you to have any good inklings about him. Yeah. Believe me, I fully understand this problem. Oh, I do, too. I get that. Jackhead says, so you have no idea where he is? No. Do you want me to look for him? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he says, I don't. I want you to go back. I want you to do what my father never did, what I never did. Graduate from high school and show those preppy what it means to be a Jones man and bring honor to our name. <laughs> it's gross, but it's also, but it's sweet. It's one of those no, things like FP's got really strong class problems, which is totally fair. And it's being thrown in his son's face. But I like that FP is like, do better. Do better than I did. Do better than your granddad did. Well, and clearly, part of what he's not telling is that they did have money at some point. (sighs) At least before he knew it. Forsyth family had money at some point. Yeah. Grandpa, he could have been a scholarship kid. We don't know anything. That's true. He could have also been a serpent, too. Like, we don't fully know, and we know that what we've been given is probably sketchy at best in terms of validity. (laughs) We go back to the FBI den, and Betty tells Charles that she's quitting the program. And Charles is like, but you're a natural. Yeah, that's a problem. I can identify all of them because I have the same genes as them. And Charles suggests, like, well, that's the reason you should stay, so you can make sense of that part of you. And Betty's like, you don't understand. You don't get it. Charles says, yeah, I do. I have those genes, too. In fact, that's why I joined the FBI, to control those impulses. And Betty's like, you have the genes, too? Charles says, yeah, you can use this. Harness this to keep the darkness in check. I did. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's a word he uses here that I think is very important, and that's darkness. Betty referred to this darkness last season. Charles has been listening in on her for a lot longer than we know. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, basically through all the Black Hood shit, he's been following her. Yeah. I firmly believe. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut on over to the speakeasy, and Veronica's on the phone. She gets the happy news from the governor. She gets off the phone, and this lady, the lady who we saw leave the courtroom, is drinking. And she says, oh, it sounds like you got some good news. Yeah, I did. My mom's been away, but she's finally coming home. Same as your father. I'm sorry, do I know you? No, you do not. But I'll tell you the same thing I told the federal prosecutor, that I'm a licensed private investigator, that I was hired by Hiram Lodge to uncover any malfeasance against him, and that I can unequivocally prove that the federal prosecutor colluded with you to frame and bring false charges against Hiram. They go back and forth, and we find out that this woman has bugged her place, so she's got recordings of all of them. Duh. Veronica's like, okay, whatever Hiram's paying you, I'll double it. Nice try, but that won't work for me. You see, our father needed help, someone he could trust, so he had me come up from Miami. I fix things. That's what I do. Our father? I don't understand. I'm Hiram's other daughter, Hermosa. He needed me. So I came. And then she walks out the room. (laughs) So I love that Hiram has another daughter because she is wearing pearls. I did love that nice little touch. She's wearing the daddy's girl's pearls. Gross, but also adorable. (laughs) She's dressed almost exactly the way Veronica would be. Yeah. It's very similar. If Veronica was like five to seven years older. Yeah. So she's definitely Hiram's child from like his wild, wilding days for sure. She's not that much older than Veronica. I kind of love it. I'm very curious to know who her mother is and if Hermione knows about her. Also, I hate that her name is Hermosa. 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 It would have been better if her name was like Victoria or something, like a V name. It would have been great. Oh, so much better. We cut to Jughead. He goes back to his room at Stonewall Prep and he sits down and he opens the very first Baxter Brothers book, the one with had the torn page. And he's opening it on his desk and the sunlight hits it and he can see the indentation of the inscription that was on the page that was torn out. So he does this super cool thing with the pencil and he rubs it. And so you it yeah, you can read it at that point. And it says, Little Forsyth 3, happy birthday. Sorry, I'm not there to celebrate with you. Never let anyone tell you that you don't belong. Love, Grandpa. P.S. Trust few and never let them take anything from you. Grandpa knows what the fuck's up. Grandpa wrote the Baxter Boys books. Yeah, some of them at least. Mm-hmm. He's definitely... Part of the creation of the Baxter Brothers. There's a conspiracy. Totally. We cut over to the courthouse and Hiram and his daughter walking out of the courtroom. Everybody's aghast. It's so amazing. And there's reporters everywhere. Alice Smith with RIVW. Please tell our viewers, what are you feeling right now? And Hiram's happy. And he lets everyone know that this is his daughter and that he's going to announce his candidacy for mayor of Riverdale. (laughs) I love everybody's like, so this is your... 
my daughter. And Alice goes, okay, like, that's interesting. Like, you can read it all on Machen Amick's face, like, oh, new information. Okay, I'm a reporter and I'm professional, so what are you going to do now? But on the other side, you can also see her going like, what, what? the actual fuck? Anyway, professional reporter time. I'll process this later. <laughs> well, we do know from the Midnight Club episode that Hiram got around in high school. Well, yeah. So it's no secret. It's school time and Betty's going up to Kevin and he's like, I'm confused. So we're not bailing on your hot brother's FBI class. I thought based on what happened to Caramel and like Kevin's trying to process and Betty's like, no, no, no. That was before I got privileged information. Oh my god! That made me realize that we don't actually know anything about Charles. For well, duh. Thank you for telling us what we already know, buddy. <laughs> Forget is Charles gay or straight? I'm interested in is he a serial killer or not? I'm curious, Kevin. The only places I've seen him are pops, my house, and the FBI office. I mean, what does he do all day? Where does he go? Where does he live? And why is he still in Riverdale? And while she's asking these questions, we see him leaving Pops. We see him getting in the car and Betty's watching him. She's she's doing the stakeout thing on him. And then we cut back to school and Kevin's like, I thought he was helping out Jughead's dad on some cases. What cases? He's keeping secrets from me, Kev. I know it. That's why we have to stay close to him. Betty and, Drew is on the case. And then we see Betty Drew like in the car, like keeping her head down while Charles drives around. And then she starts her car and starts following him. Black sweater, black hat. And like, damn, Betty. <sighs> but I don't think this is dark, Betty. I think this is Betty Drew on the case. And then we have the superhero scene where Archie confronts Dodger and basically tells him, consider this a declaration of war. Leave town. or The next time we meet, you won't be driving away. You won't even be walking. That's a promise. And then like he runs off. I'm firmly convinced that we can just write Archie's storyline off until Dodger's out of town. Like just buy Archie. Go do your stupid shit. We're going to pay attention to the more interesting stories going on here. Yeah. (sighs) It's so stupid. Yep. We go back to Stonewall Prep. It's classroom time. And Mr. DuPont's talking. Mr. Chipping and I have conferred and decided on the theme for our Baxter Brothers writing competition. Who's interested? And all the kids raise their hand except for Jughead. Jughead? Jughead's just there and he's like, oh no, I'm in and I'm winning. And please, Mr. Chipping, from here on, you can call me Forsyth the third. It's after my grandfather. Fuck yeah. And then he makes a really like pointed face at Brett. And Brett's like, uh oh. He's like, ah, shit, I I angered it. I poked I gave it fuel. Shit. Ah. Mr. DuPont says, wonderful. Then you and your classmates will be challenged to devise the perfect murder that's your theme. Let the bloodbath begin. Cut to biology class, spring semester. What? And yeah, all the kids are in biology class. And in walks FP and some, I guess his deputies, I guess the other people who work in that office when he's out policing. Archie Andrews, Betty Cooper, and Veronica Lodd, you're under arrest for the cold-blooded murder of my son, Jughead Jones. Riverdale. How to get away with Riverdale. Pretty much. It's very how I get away with murder, like all of this. <laughs> okay. You had said on our instant cast that, oh, these scenes are all from his novel. They're from his book. The first impression I got was because of the tone shift that they did here, Mm -hmm. unlike the other flash forwards, which felt very dramatic and tense, Mm -hmm. we see Jughead's sort of smirk Mm -hmm. and then this sort of flat affect from everybody in the scene. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's thoroughly shocked. Reggie's just kind of making a dumb face. Yeah. But FP and everyone are just kind of going, oh. And I was like, this just reads like it's his novel. This is his Baxter Boys story. Okay. So. Lay it down, TV genius. I agree that these scenes Jughead has written. But I believe that Jughead has to disappear like his grandfather. And as part of that, he has planned the perfect murder that they are all acting out. To cover his tracks. Yeah. We talked about this early on that we were like, this has got to be faking for something. Well, when we saw Jughead's dead body, we're like, this feels fake. Yeah. And I I made a Sherlock Holmes reference because Sherlock Holmes fakes his death so he can get away. I feel like that's the case. And Jughead will write the perfect murder for his Baxter Brothers novel. Then he will have to be disappeared for whatever reason, probably the same reason that grandpa had to disappear. And- as a way to do that, his friends and his dad are going to disappear him. Because, yeah, they're not shocked because, okay, everything's going according to plan. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like their scene in the woods is them actually enacting the plan. Yeah. So that's what I feel like all of this is. And I also like that they're using the font that is the courier font, which is typewriter. We know Jughead likes to type on his typewriter that Betty gave him. So yes, yeah, so I do believe that this is Jughead's writing, but I don't think it's as simple as, well, this is his novel that he's been writing this whole time. No. His narration is a different story because the flash forwards are not narrated. So it's a very different thing. Uh. So that's where my brain is percolating. I'm sure between this episode and the next one, we'll, more shit will happen and it'll it might shift and morph a little bit. But that is where I'm going. Well, and then on top of that, finding that little nugget of 10 little Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. that really gets me thinking about the people who write these stories seem to know what's going on. Are they controlling that? Is there a big bad somewhere linked to these novels? The Hardy Boy stories are very like a monster of the week. Yeah. What's the mystery today? So there's not a big bad. There's not like one evil entity for the whole thing. Right. But are they writing these stories based off of horrible crimes that they're committing? That seems too easy. Yeah. And that wouldn't explain how it started with Forsyth. Did it start with Forsyth or did, you know, DuPont and Chipping and them Mm -hmm. do those horrible things? Well, Chipping's not as old as them, but he's definitely carrying the torch on. Meanwhile, Forsyth disappeared and he's getting ready to fight against them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, we will have just watched the next time on... And we'll have thoughts. Okay, so Chick is back. Uh Uh-huh. So, yay. Charles has definitely been tailing that one. We hear Penelope's voice. So she's been hiding somewhere. Uh, In the woods with her money. Julian needs a body. Well, that goes back to that whole chimera thing that I talked about at the beginning of the season. I hate it. I know. I hate it, too. (laughs) And also, it kind of ties into the whole hereditary is the name of the episode in the movie, which I've read the entire synopsis for, and I can't watch that movie because I'll die. (laughs) (laughs) That's how that'll happen. Jughead calls for an ambulance while he's looking out a window. So somebody got pushed or jumped out a window. Somebody's dead or not good. (laughs) the perfect murder and somebody shoots at archie's house oh yeah dodgers doing drive by doing a drive-by of archie's house that's not surprising because riverdale is a fucking street gang ridden town oh i hate archie this season well i have many opinions about that and how they could have avoided that. Oh, we, we're we done with that, though. There's no way to get around it. I know, until we meet Frank Andrews. That, that's I, not going to help anything. No, it's probably not. It's going to make it worse. Oh, and sexy Hiram Hermione times. Hi, Hiram and Hermione are going to fuck, which is just stupid. <laughs> and I don't care. Unless he's doing it to kill her. Well, then it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so over both of them. I don't even care. But I love him. Well, they've made him a twisty cartoon villain. Which which, is what we wanted. And he's playing it up so well. So it's fun. And Hermione is just like this wet blanket. Oh, my (laughs) husband's going to kill me. I'm so sad. I'm going to sleep with the sheriff. Poor little mob wife. I just don't give a shit. (laughs) I really don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Because, like, hashtag daddy issues. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I so called that. I'm so smart. (laughs) Welcome back to the wacky, y'all. It was time. It was time. I mean, this is episode five. Now we're getting episode six. It's time for shit to be like, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) I don't know how to feel about things that I've, I've witnessed now. Like, that's Riverdale. At least it's not Archie getting attacked by a bear. Or Miss Grundy. I want to see everybody go to therapy. I want a season of therapy, both for the characters and the people who've had to watch all of this. (laughs) That's what I want. So until next time, hashtag Go Bulldogs. And Daddy Issues. 
listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.